Ethan writes about the permanent character. I want us to think about that word, permanent. Permanent. There's a lot of things in life that are not permanent. They change. Uh, as we grow older, we realize maybe, maybe a little bit more of things that are no longer permanent. As a structure grows older, we realize that not every part of a structure, be it a building, a house, a car, as a car gets older, the way we live our lives changes. Not necessarily is that a bad thing, but there's very little in the world, if you will, that we could label as permanent Now, I'm thankful this morning that we have a book that is permanent. It never changes. Whether you pick it up and read it when you're five, or you pick it up and read it when you're 55, it's going to be the same message. It's going to be the same message. Now, it might apply to you differently from five at 55, because when you're five, you go to Ephesians 6.1, and the Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Your Sunday school class or the patch club or the pastor says, hey, now, you're still living at home and you're still, under, you're still under your parents' roof, then you need to obey your parents. That message is to the five-year-old and not just to the five-year-old. But, you know, I read that verse now at 49 years of age and I read it and it says, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this right. It doesn't really apply to me like it did when I was five. You understand what I'm saying? But it's a permanent Command of the Word of God. Children, obey your parents. And as Ethan is writing, I'm envisioning Ethan writing with pen in hand, and he's writing several things here in Psalm 89, but the Lord really directed me over the last several of weeks to think about the faithfulness of God. You know, again, there's a lot of things that are not permanent. But we can today unashamedly say God's faithfulness is permanent. It's permanent. It doesn't matter what stage in life I am in or you are in, the faithfulness of God is a permanent fixture in my life. There's no way I can look at my life today and say, God wasn't faithful here. I'd be lying. You say, what are you talking about? You mean that God is faithful when people go through great physical problems? Yes, God is faithful then. Do you mean that God is faithful when a a, a mother even has a miscarriage? I say that very sensitively today. Yes, God is faithful then. Is God faithful when even a child passes away before a parent? Yes, God is faithful. Is God faithful when... Uh, everyone turns their back, or we perceive everyone turning their back. By the way, everybody doesn't always turn your back, turn their back on you. Yes, God is faithful. There is no time and no place where you can say God is was not faithful. And so Ethan is writing, and I believe that the Holy Spirit of God has him write several things about the permanent character of the mercy and faithfulness of God. I rose up this morning, and guess what? The sun was, it was already up. Or it's making its way up, I should say. The sun always comes up. Isn't that something? 
It's permanent, right? From the day that God said, let there be light, there's always been light. And by, by sheer power, the power of God, the sun's going to set later on today. And I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning. You're going to wake up tomorrow morning. God willing, we're going to wake up. If not, hey, I'll be in heaven. That's okay. We're going to wake up tomorrow morning, and guess what? Mr. Son is going to be there again. Because of the permanency and the character of God. God is faithful. And we see that in our text this morning. God had established His own faithfulness, and God's faithfulness will not change. How about Malachi chapter 3, verse 6? If you have your Bibles open, Mark Psalm 89, we're coming back there. But would you turn over with me to a very important verse in the Bible that if you have not marked it, you need to mark it. Malachi in chapter 3. The Bible says, Malachi 3 and verse number 6, the Bible says, For I am the Lord. Wow, isn't that something? For I am the Lord. Aren't you glad as a Christian you have the Lord as your shepherd? The Lord is your shepherd. Psalm 23. For I am the Lord. I change not. Can we say those three words? I change not. Let's say those three words. I change not. That's speaking about the character of God. One more time. I change not. It's speaking about the faithfulness of God. It never changes. As the sun comes up in the east and sets in the west, God never changes. Let's go to Numbers 23, please. Numbers 23. Numbers 23. And we see in verse number 19. Numbers 23, 19. Do you have it? If we have it, let's say amen. Amen. Okay, good. You can say amen in church. We're an amen church here. You could even break out and say a hallelujah if, if something really got a hold of you. Verse 19, God is not a man. Isn't that a great thought? He's not the man upstairs. God is not a man that He should lie. Neither the Son of Man that He should repent. Hath He said, and shall He not do it? <laughs> Amen. There you go. Think of that. Hath God said, and shall He not do it? How many times have you said something and you didn't do it? Don't raise your hand with numbers, okay? Yeah, we don't have enough fingers and toes. We don't want to see any toes. But uh, we don't have enough phalanges, there we go, to figure out how many times we've said and not done it. But God, when God says it, He does it. You can count on that. 
You may not be able to count on me, but you can count on God. Don't forget this. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or, here we go, hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? The Lord is good. Tell it wherever you go. The Lord is good. Tell it that others may know. God is good. And He speaks, and when He speaks something, He will make it good. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. When God speaks something, He's going to make it good. In other words, when God faithfully brings, I think you prayed it this morning, trials, thank you for the trials. This is not pick on Jose time. Did you pray that? Yeah. And you know what? Praise the Lord. Not easy to... Pray. But yes, even God makes the trials good. That's a head-scratcher, isn't it? God is faithful. The Bible says in James 1.17, I won't turn there, I was going to, but we must continue ahead. In James 1.17, it speaks of God saying there is no variableness, no variableness in our God. There's no wishy-washy in our God. There's no up and down in our God. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. No variableness, neither shadow of turning. Let's go back to our text now, if we could, please. Psalm 89, and let's notice something about verse number one. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever with, and next, what's the next two words after with? With my mouth. Can we say those two words together? My mouth. Not your wife's mouth, your mouth. Not the pastor's mouth, your mouth. Not your neighbor's mouth, your mouth, my mouth. Right? Not my child's uh, mouth, my mouth. The psalmist Ethan says, with my mouth. I wonder this morning, as we consider the faithfulness of God, what are we using our mouth for? What are we using our mouth for? Hold your place there and turn back to Psalm 40. What am I using my mouth for? You know, maybe, maybe ask yourself that question today. What am I using my mouth for? The psalmist says, with my mouth. Psalm 40, verse 10. This is a psalm of David. It says, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed. You know what it means to conceal, right? To hide it. Thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. He said, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. How do we declare something? How? With our mouth. Yeah. Now, our life can declare something as well. But my mouth. So the psalmist here says, I'm using my mouth 
to declare the faithfulness and the salvation of God. Can you imagine what would happen if all of us here today, all of us joining online, would even make one decision, and that is this. This week and every week that I have to live, I'm going to use this mouth to declare the faithfulness of God. I'm going to use this mouth to declare the salvation of God in my life. Just telling someone how God has been faithful to you. You are going to meet people this week that I will never meet. You know what we have an opportunity to do? To use our mouth to declare the faithfulness of God. You're not going to believe what God has been doing in my life. I've got to tell you something that God has done in my life. And just at the lunchtime tomorrow, uh, at, at the break room tomorrow, uh, walking from one thing to the next, let me just tell you, you know, God has done this in my life. And God has done that in my life. And God is faithful. Declare with your mouth. Don't hide it in your heart. How's the world going to know about the faithfulness of God if believers like us hide it in our heart? I submit to you, this mouth is to be used for edifying the believers. This mouth is to be used for speaking the faithfulness of God. Let's not hide it in our heart. Now, sadly though, this mouth can be used for a lot of destruction. Could we turn to James quickly? James 3. And, you know, I don't think this is the main part of the message today, but we want to let the Lord use it because the Bible compares our mouth to several things in, in this text that we're looking at. And so, let's just see what the Word of God says. James 3.8, please. But the tongue, which is in your mouth, amen, biology 101 here. That's not even 101, that's like 100, you know, bonehead biology. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith, bless we God, even the Father. So stop right there. We can use this mouth to bless God. That's what we want to do, right? That's what we should be doing. We should be declaring the faithfulness and salvation of God. So we have an opportunity this week, we have an opportunity today to use this mouth, this tongue that God has given us, as the psalmist said, my mouth. But the verse doesn't stop there, and so we need to, we need to let it continue to challenge us, because then the verse says, and therewith, and so that is saying, with the same mouth, with the same tongue, curse we men. We don't want to do that. James is saying we have an opportunity to use this mouth to praise the Father, to spread thanksgiving, to talk about His faithfulness, but we can also use the same mouth for cursing man. Look at verse 10. Out of the same mouth, there it is, proceedeth, what's the next word? Are you with me? Blessing. Can we say that? Blessing. God desires for you and for me to use our mouth 
to use to, to bring blessing to others. Even those that curse us. Even those that don't bless us. By the way, this is not given to only people that bless you should you use your mouth to encourage them. Even people that don't bless us, we should still bless them. Because when we give, it shall be given unto us. So he says there, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. We ought not be using my mouth to tear down someone. The psalmist said, with my mouth. We're going to go back to Psalm 89 in just a minute, but let's not get past my mouth. Because it's a small thing. But behold, it can really do a lot of damage. May God give us Show us where our mouth needs, as in the old days, maybe, maybe this doesn't happen anymore, but in the old days, mouths used to get soap. Is anybody here willing to admit they had soap? My hand is up. Soap in your mouth for your language. Yeah? Okay. Five honest people, the rest. Either the, your, your parents didn't use soap or they had other tactics, but come over here, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. I don't have a dirty, my mouth's clean. You know, sadly, we can use this mouth for damage. The psalm, or the James says in verse 11, doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Do you notice what he's trying to get us to think about? We should be using our mouth only, only for good. Uh, either a vine figs, so can no fountain yield salt water and fresh. Okay, my mouth. Let's go back to our text. So, how are you using your mouth today? This is the introduction. We're getting, we're getting going here. By the way, we want to be careful how we use our mouth. You know, if I go over to Brother Jose, and I say to Brother Jose, you're just, in the right, you're just in the right spot every week, brother, you know. And I say to Brother Jose, you know what? I don't know if you noticed, but Brother Kevin, he's really been suffering. And uh, I don't know what's going on with him. See, I'm using my mouth right now to corrupt his head when I'm gossiping about Brother Kevin. So now, chances are, he's, gonna, he's got to process that. He should have never been given that information about Brother Kevin. Sadly, what happens many times is he doesn't know how to process it. So, And I'm not saying this about you personally, but all of us is who I'm saying this about. And so then he goes to his wife. It says, I don't know why, but Pastor Turner, he told me, Brother Kevin, he's got issues. And uh, he must have really felt like I needed to know. No, he didn't need to know. And so then, guess what? Now, we got three of us. You see how it spreads? That's not the way to use this mouth. 
And by the way, it can really damage, it can really damage a congregation. Guard your mouth. Okay. Enough, on the, enough of that. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known. And what are the next two words? Thy faithfulness. Could we say that again? Thy faithfulness. I'm not making known the faithfulness of the church. I'm not making known the faithfulness of me. I'm making known the faithfulness of God. In 1932, graduation day at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois, the following statement was read. Shall we retreat and turn back from our high calling in Christ Jesus? Or dare we advance at God's command in face of the impossible? Let us remind ourselves that the Great Commission was never qualified by clauses calling for advance only if funds were plentiful and no hardship or self-denial involved. On the contrary, we are told to expect tribulation and, and even persecution, but with it, victory in Christ. The faithfulness of God is the only certain thing in the world today. We need not fear the result of trusting Him. That was quoted and read in 1932 in Chicago, Illinois, by missionary-to-be John Stamm. Just over two years later, of saying the faithfulness of God is the only certain thing in the world today. Just two years later, John and Betty Stamp were beheaded on the mission field in China. Was God faithful? Yes, He was. Was God faithful in John's life? Yes, Betty would pray Betty would pray early on in her life, fill me now and seal me with thy spirit. Work out thy whole, work out thy whole will in my life at any cost. For to me to live is Christ. I love what John Sam said. The faithfulness of God is the only certain thing in the world today. so many uncertainties but not in the faithfulness of God the faithfulness of God number one we learn from the Bible that the faithfulness of God is great it's great many of you know the verse of scripture Lamentations 3.23 maybe you want to jot these down if you have your bulletin there's a note if you have a pen because maybe you're going to need these later on Lamentations 3.23 they are new every morning great is thy faithfulness the faithfulness of God is great and I would say today uh, under the authority of God's word I don't know as we think about God I mean there's so many great qualities but I don't know of one greater than his faithfulness because within his faithfulness there is the faithfulness to love Within His faithfulness, there is the faithfulness to forgive. Within His faithfulness, there is the faithfulness to provide. And you can go on and on. Number one, it is great. Number two, the faithfulness of God is established. It is established. If you have your Bible open to our text, let's read verse number two. I'll read it. You follow along. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. 
in the very heavens. It is established. It will not fail. Number three, the faithfulness of God is incomparable. It is incomparable. If you have your Bible open again to our text, if you will, uh, let your eye go down to verse number 8 of our text. It is incomparable. O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto Thee? It's incomparable. Or to Thy faithfulness, or to Thy faithfulness round about Thee. We start to look at the things around us And our fear level goes up. I submit to you, don't look at the things around you. Look at the faithfulness of God, which is incomparable, which is established, which is great. There is nothing greater than the faithfulness of God today. Can't compare it to anything. Number four. If you have your Bible open to Psalm 89, look down at verse number 33. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from Him, nor suffer my, what? Faithfulness to fail. God's faithfulness is unfailing. It's unfailing. I've failed Him so many times, but He's never failed me, Mr. Torian never failed you. It's unfailing. I'd like us to look at another verse. 2 Timothy, please. Excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 2. It is unfailing. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. The Bible says, If we believe not, have you ever been there? If we believe not, you say, well, I always believe. Okay, all right, sure. (laughs) I'm not sure any of us could say that with a straight face. I always believe. Paul writes to Timothy and says, if we believe not, Notice what it says. Yet he abideth, what? Faithful. Even if I don't believe, he's still faithful. Even if I doubt, he's still faithful. That's a very challenging verse. And even if I do not believe, God is faithful because his faithfulness is unfailing. Number five, his faithfulness is infinite. Infinite. Psalm 36 Psalm 36 and verse number 5. It is infinite. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. You know, when you, when you fly on an airplane, we just flew on an airplane uh, Monday morning and flew back Thursday. And you know, you get up into those clouds you know, you're 30,000 feet up or whatever it is. And you're just there in no time. You know, you're there, literally, you know, just a few minutes. 
you're on the ground and then you're 30-some thousand feet in the air in just a few minutes. And the Bible here says that God's faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Maybe every time you take a flight, every time we take a flight or every time we're up in the clouds or whatever, we think about that. We see the clouds, we think, hey, we're out on the ground. We say, hey, look up there. A good chance to teach your children. Hey, remember that verse on Sunday? Look at those clouds up there. Remember that verse on Sunday? God's faithfulness goes all the way up to those clouds. It's infinite. One more. The faithfulness of God is everlasting. It is everlasting. Psalm 119, verse 90. Psalm 119, verse 90. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Aren't you glad for that? It did not stop with Moses. It did not stop with uh, Joshua. It did not stop with uh, Gideon. It did not stop with David. It did not stop with all the heroes of the faith, the hall of faith in in Hebrews 11. No, it's every generation. That means God is faithful in, in your generation and God will be faithful in the next generation and it'll continue on. God is faithful. Thou hast established the earth and it abideth. Psalm 146 in verse, that was Psalm 119.90. Psalm 146 in verse 6 says, Which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever. Keepeth truth forever. Faithfulness of God is great. The faithfulness of God is established. The faithfulness of God is incomparable. The faithfulness of God is unfailing. The faithfulness of God is infinite. The faithfulness of God is everlasting. From generation to generation. In the year year 1866, in a log cabin in the woods of Kentucky, Thomas Chisholm was born. Thomas had no formal education yet he succeeded academically. He started working at the age of 16 years of age. He would actually be a school teacher in the same schoolhouse that he was, had a bit of education in. Very informal. He would later become an editor of the local newspaper, then become a head editor, or associate editor, and then a head editor. He loved to write poetry. At the age of 26, Thomas made the best decision in his life when he accepted Christ as his Savior. In 1903, he was ordained as a minister of the gospel. In fact, he wrote hundreds of poems, one of which was based on Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Thomas eventually sent this, his work to a fellow minister and friend by the name of William Runyon. William Runyon would put the music to the song that Thomas wrote the words for. George Beverly Shea, you may know the name, was asked to sing this brand new hymn at Moody Bible Institute, the same institute where John and Betty Stam graduated from a few years later, though. There was a college student in the crowd, or a young student at Wheaton College was listening to the radio when George Beverly Shea sang, Great is Thy Faithfulness. That was Billy Graham who heard it on the radio. 
this song would become a part of the, his ministry of evangelism. The core of this hymn is simple, yet it entails some beautifully constructed messages. Overall, the message of the song points to the amazing faithfulness of our Heavenly Father. He has been, is, and always will be compassionate and unchanging. In every season, in every aspect of creation, we can bear witness to His everlasting faithfulness. Although we may sin, God is rich in mercy, continuously forgives His people of their many transgressions. Although Thomas Chisholm had suffered under poor health throughout his life, God's faithfulness was very evident to him. God has been faithful in the past, is faithful in the present, and will continue to be faithful till the end of the age. Great is thy faithfulness. I'd like us to take our Bibles and turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 15 as we bring the message to a close. I said we were going to talk just for a minute about this man named Ethan. I was sitting on the couch yesterday afternoon and just kind of reading and rereading and rereading and thinking, surely there's more about this Ethan than we read here in Psalm 89 that tells us that Ethan the Ezraite is the author. I came across this text of Scripture that just God used it in my heart in an unusual way, and I hope that He will in yours as well. It's interesting what the job of Ethan the Ezraite was. He had a job. He had a job when the temple, excuse me, when the, when the um, ark of the Lord was brought to Jerusalem, there was a great celebration. And notice what it says in 1 Chronicles in chapter 15, in verse 16, And David spake to the chief of the Levites, to appoint, 1 Chronicles 15, 16, and David spake to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers with instruments of music, psalteries and harps and cymbals, sounding by lifting up their voice with joy. Remember what it said in Psalm 89? With my mouth will I make known thy faith. So the Levites appointed He-Man He actually wrote Psalm 88, the son of Joel, of his brethren, Asaph, the son of Berechiah, and of the sons of Merari, their brethren, Ethan. Verse 18, and with them, their brethren of the second degree, Zechariah, Ben, Jeziel, Shemirimoth, and Jehiel, and Uni, and Eliab, and Benaniah, and Masiah, and Mattathiah, whatever happened to Ralph and all those other guys and Eliphilah, and Mikniah, and Obed-Edom, and Jael the porters. So the singers, He-Man, Asaph, and Ethan, notice this, were appointed to sound with what? Symbols. And I just stopped and I thought, symbols. You know, if you're standing, if somebody's standing behind you, and they use symbols. And they, like, they use them, right? Are you going to hear that? You're going to hear that. In fact, you're going to jump if you don't know they're there. The point is, when that symbol hits, it draws great attention. And I began to think, okay, so Ethan is a symbol player in the procession of the ark 
coming back to the place in the nation of Israel. And then I thought, okay, Ethan is the writer of Psalm 89. And his, his job prior to this was playing the cymbals. And when somebody plays the cymbals, it gets our attention. I just began to meditate and think about that, that God was telling me, I'm going to use the guy that writes, the guy that plays the cymbals to write about my faithfulness. Because I want your attention. I want your attention, and I want your attention to be on my faithfulness. Let's not put our attention on this this ever-changing world, but let's put our attention on the faithfulness of our God and these things that we mentioned. And so, as we consider the faithfulness of our God, the human penman of Psalm 89 was a symbol player. And as every time I read Psalm 89 now, my attention is going to be drawn to the faithfulness of God. Loud and clear, just like that symbol, bang together. God is faithful. No matter what's happening, no matter the noise around us, if somebody were to bang the symbols together, I can pretty much guarantee you, you're going to hear the symbols. And it's saying, I say to you today, when we get to Psalm 89, we make a note Ethan was a symbol player. Pay attention, not only for yourself, but it said in verse number one, for every generation. Just a little P.S. on the end of the message. Mothers, you have a great responsibility. It's not just for mothers, it's for all of us, but it is Mother's Day. But I want to encourage you mothers, continue to invest in your children and your grandchildren and even other people's children. And even if you're not a mother today, we need every lady in this church to be pointing people to the faith. For every generation. Because even in that, yes, God is faithful.